I'm Audrey Hollenberg Duffy. And I'm her husband, Tim Hollenberg Duffy. We are a married couple doing pastoral ministry together under the faith umbrella of Anabaptism and Radical Pietism, more specifically in the Church of the Brethren, and most importantly, for Jesus. We've always enjoyed chats about faith life because we found in each other a companion that gets us, even when it doesn't feel like we fit in the boxes of American life or mainstream American Christianity. We believe the Church is crucial to faith and practice, and yet also accept that religious institutions are crumbling. We believe being disciples of Jesus Jesus rarely fits a pre-made container. So join us for our meanderings as we try to find a faithful Jesus way forward. Welcome to Coffee with the Pastors for another week of exploring Pastor Audrey's Doctor of Ministry research. We're going to jump into her intervention today, <laughs> storytelling. But before we get into all of that, we always begin with the big question. Audrey, where have you seen God recently? Well, hopefully I don't make you too embarrassed. Oh, but... no. <laughs> we um, just celebrated our wedding anniversary. And whenever I think back on the journey that brought us to where we are, it's hard not to see God's hand in it. Hmm. We uh, grew up together in the same congregation and kind of danced around each other for a decade until we realized that we were edging on best friends. And then it just kind of was a slow movement together that felt purposeful. And here we are. Our uh, relationship is not for ourselves alone. I feel like God has used it in multiple ways. And so, love you. Well, I love you too. I didn't know she was going to do that, everyone. So. <laughs> You can't see the blushing, but I do get really red in the face. So. <laughs> That's why I saved it for a podcast, not a video. Um, you don't have to say anything nice about me. <laughs> I should have let I you know, go first. I got like a, like a one-up on no. seeing God in our relationship. Wow. No, nope. you do not need to do Well, that. I was thinking about this, this summer's been a, a wild one. For, for Audrey and I and, and our household as the kids have been kind of uh, with us a lot and moving in and out of camps. And I was going to say I've seen God in some big steps in our, in our daughter mm. who's headed into preschool soon and just watching the confidence build mm. up in this young girl to make friends and be bold in, in new spaces. It's a bit inspiring to me too i think uh you know i mean once once you get to be 34 i won't say how old audrey is but <laughs> once you get to be 34 <laughs> we're the same age <laughs> i don't know you've got so many communities already established and yeah. so being bold walking into new spaces and meeting new people it's it's like uncommon right you just yeah. don't do it. So mm -hmm. to watch her do that is like watching just a awakenings of spiritual confidence in her to, to be her own self. Yeah. And she's very forward even with her language about talking about God and the church. She went to vacation Bible school at a um, another Church of the Brethren in the area where we teamed up. And she's telling us all about that and she's merging her worlds of church and camp together. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just been kind of inspiring. Mm-hmm. She is. Cool. She is a bold little, little definitely uh, bulldozer. 
<laughs> and she's a great lead-in to our theme for the day of story sharing. True. Um, you might even say over story sharing <laughs> in, in her case. but uh, Yeah, but she doesn't know the beauty of silence. And no. <laughs> I think that's true of most toddlers. <laughs> and Audrey just looks at me and says, oh, I know where she's getting this from. But yes, especially first thing in the morning. I like to feel silence. <laughs> anyway. Yes. <laughs> so we've been, this is week three of this series, talking about Pastor Audrey's doctoral research. The first week we identified the problem that she identified in the church and society uh, writ large related to um, disconnection and people being pulled apart. And she identified three particular causes of that pulling apart or that really feed off of one another, that they were the pandemic itself and the and that forcing us into isolation and fracturing of established communities. Related to that became political polarization related to the pandemic, but also related to our losing spaces of discourse mm -hmm. um, to have meaningful political conversation and it's just devolving and pulling us apart. And then the last one was social media as a force pulling us apart. Ironically, social media <laughs> may be meant to bring us together um, at one point in time with the advent of various features and its interaction with culture. It's mostly pulled us apart and right. created uh, siloed communities, except in some maybe sp special cases. Mm -hmm. um, so you have that unholy trinity, pandemic, political polarization, and social media working um, in tandem in different ways, creating disconnection, and that has infiltrated our church. Mm -hmm. And so last week, Audrey uh, talked about what the church is supposed to be and how this pulling apart, this fracturing, is particularly problematic for church communities who are, by their very nature, meant to be uh, called out communities mm -hmm. that act like the body of Christ and are called to a particular purpose to proclaim Christ and the kingdom of God together, mm -hmm. right? And when these forces are pulling at us, that's pulling at our very DNA, our very purpose in, in being. Mm -hmm. um, and you talked a little bit last week about the brethren in particular mm -hmm. having this very high understanding of this communal identity. You call it a high ecclesiology, a high mm -hmm. understanding of our communal connectedness being part of who we are as body of Christ. Right. Um, and so this is a major threat mm -hmm. to, our, to our very fabric and our very identity as members of the church, mm -hmm. right? So then the next piece of your research was to uh, develop an intervention that might be a prod or a poke at the blob that is the, the, <laughs> the church, system. and in particular our church, right. the Oakton Church of the Brethren, to see if well, what effect a little intervention might have on this tendency for disconnection. Mm -hmm. So you've, as we've alluded to, you leaned into story sharing right. as an intervention and mm -hmm. What did, what did that look like? Or maybe you want to tell us a little bit about what you mean by story sharing. Yeah, I, I want to talk first about why storytelling. Yeah. Why did I choose that to be the intervention? And specifically, I, I think it's important here for me to give a huge shout out to my Oakton family, <laughs> who was willing to be my guinea pig in a way. Mm -hmm. They 
uh, participated in a four-week Sunday school time series where I prompted them for specific storytelling. Next week, I'm going to talk more about the specifics of what we did together. But they were uh, wonderful participants and willing <laughs> willing guinea pigs as I, I used this intervention in their midst. So just love and thanks to my Oakton Church of the Brethren family. So I chose storytelling in part because it's a a mode of communication that should not be unfamiliar to the church. Hmm. It's something that has been a part of the church from the beginning and is something that helps to shape our identity today. And so even last week when we were talking about what it meant to be the church, I told some stories. They were brief stories but they were stories about how the church came to being, how the brethren have understood themselves in terms of meeting houses and such. Storytelling is a way in which we shape our identity. The, what we tell ourselves is how we understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's how I understand you mm-hmm. is through either the stories we share or the stories that you tell me. And, and the, the way we get to know it anyone or anything is through a story. You go to any new organization on their website and what do you do to find out about them? You find their, you go to their about me page mm-hmm. and there's going to be the story of their founding and how that's come to shape who they are today. Right. That, that's how we come to understand ourselves. And so when we are the church, we gather around a common story. Story of Jesus. The story of Jesus. And even prior to that, of course, the story of God's people in Hebrew scripture. Mm -hmm. We turn to this beautiful narrative arc that we can find ourselves in the trajectory of Mm -hmm. today. When we don't know how our own story is taking shape, we turn to this common story Mm -hmm. to find guidance and understanding. Sure. So I want to first talk about scripture and how that is a story and why then storytelling as a part of the church is a part of our DNA. So mm-hmm. I think one of the the best examples of how story shapes us in scripture is the story of the Exodus. So in Hebrew scripture, you know, you've got the steps that lead up to the Exodus, you've got individual forebearers, mm-hmm. forefathers, faith fathers that, you know, beget children. And then the, this covenant is traced through them individually. And then you get to Jacob when the, his 12 sons become 12 tribes of Israel. And then we know the story of Joseph being the favored son. He gets sold into slavery and ends up in Egypt while he's in Egypt, he interprets the dreams of the Pharaoh, come to find out that a famine's coming. And because of this gift that Joseph has, Pharaoh makes him second in command. Mm-hmm. In that process, all of the covenant people end up in Egypt, where there's food and where Joseph has some measure of authority. Until, Until a Pharaoh is risen up that does not know the story mm-hmm. of Joseph. And so this particular pharaoh sees 
the Hebrew people as a threat because of their numbers. Right. And so he enslaves them and subdues them. And there's generations then of enslaved people. This is where you get the story of Moses coming in, the plagues, God's interaction with Pharaoh. Eventually, Pharaoh releases the Israelites and they are taken out of Egypt into the wilderness. They wander in the wilderness and then eventually make their way to the promised land. Mm -hmm. This is a story of a kind of coalescence of a people a founding of a nation mm -hmm. that becomes a identity shaping story mm -hmm. that is told over and over again in scripture. Mm -hmm. So not only is the original kind of accounting of it told at the end of Genesis into Exodus and some of the Tor other Torah books, mm -hmm. but when Israel is in distress because of them being attacked by foreign nations the Assyrians first, and then the Babylonians wipe out this nation state and carry many of them off into their land. They talk about it in terms of they've been exiled from their home. Mm -hmm. They're carried off and now trying to make sense of who they are mm -hmm. in, in a moment of deep crisis. I mean, the, the cultic worship that they had come to expect through the temple was completely gone. The temple was was raised to the ground. This land that had been given to them called the promised land, it was promised to them by God as a result of the exodus out of Egypt, they weren't there anymore. And so mm -hmm. everything that they had come to expect about who they were and whose they were was completely destroyed. And so the prophets that are trying to help the people make sense of who they are during this time keep returning to a common story. They tell the story of the Exodus over and over and over again as an example of how God was faithful to them in the past. Mm -hmm. And the hope is that the people will then see this same God that brought them out of Egypt will be faithful to them again mm. and will save them and will bring them back to the land. Mm. So it's a story that not only shapes their knowledge of who they are, but it's a story that helps them know who God is and what to expect going forward, even though their current circumstances seem that may, that this experience of God is different than what they've experienced in the past. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of expectations of God's activity that provide hope because they know this story of who they are mm -hmm. from the past. And that holds them together. That's right. To endure whatever whatever moment of crisis they are moving through, they have they have a story that holds them together. Right. Hmm. So that's I think kind of the prime example of how story has shaped identity in the Hebrew Scripture. And then when we get to the New Testament, Jesus builds on that story, and then we get Paul who expands who can participate in this story. Hmm. Paul spends a main portion of his ministry opening up this heritage to the Gentiles. Yeah. And so now he's telling the story of the covenant and the promised land and God's favor and chosenness of certain people to a whole new group of people that are adopted in through Jesus, mm -hmm. who has a rightful lineage, heritage to this story, 
but right. now it's broken open by those who can see themselves as brothers and sisters with Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even though this new group of people doesn't have a blood relation to these stories, they can now picture themselves in these stories. They are adopted stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And components of the story lend itself to that, right? I mean, the very, the tracing of gene Jesus's genealogy allows for Gentiles yeah, to be a part outsiders. of this, to be yeah. a part of the story. That's right. Uh, right. And so, oh, the whole time I am a part of this. And, right. And yes, you can join in this mutual, this mutual telling. Right. And I think it's important to remember, you know, we, we are beneficiaries of the New Testament and thus know, you know, our place in this can be more assumed. But if we put ourselves in the place of these early believers, there had to be continual telling of the story in a way that they could see themselves Im embedded into it mm -hmm. that we kind of take for granted now, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, when we read the story, we're like, yeah, this is our story. <laughs> but Paul had to do a lot of work, I think, in helping these new followers of Christ understand the story that they were the beneficiaries of. Yeah. And I think it helps that there's something so embedded in human nature about these stories that especially I think in Hebrew scripture, um, we don't get these larger than life heroes as much. Um, you got King David, but even King David who is called a man after God's own heart makes some significant errors. Mm -hmm. Whereas you got, I think in the New Testament, you have Paul, a lot of it's told from his perspective. And so, yeah, he's not going to say a whole lot of bad things about himself. <laughs> sure, he acknowledges he's got a thorn in his side, but he's yeah. always right. <laughs> in the Hebrew scriptures, you've got humans that are grappling with what it, what it means to live into a covenant that God has made with them, how to be faithful and kind of the cyclical nature of trying to be faithful, failing, needing to reorient oneself and try to be faithful again. That pattern, mm -hmm. it, it kind of feels ad nauseum sometimes as you're reading scripture. <laughs> like if you read the book of Judges, it's like the people disobeyed God. And so God rose up a judge and they corrected course. Until and they then, didn't. <laughs> and then the next chapter is like, and then the people fell again. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably more realistic. Oh, it is 100% more realistic. <laughs> so anyway, the, the story of scripture is incredibly beautiful in that it it is relevant because of the way it talks about human nature mm -hmm. and how humans are constantly grappling with what it means to be in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy, I think, for us to find ourselves in this story. Mm -hmm. But your research wasn't only on telling bible stories right and and seeing our our evidence in there but you were you were hoping that people would tell personal stories right there was a kind of in the same season the Oakton church was developing next faithful steps mm -hmm. and we, we developed four steps related to this concept of knowing and being known and the very first one that we identified that would be a major help to Oakton was to know our faith stories and be known for the stories of God that we share. And that being uh, an intentional step to know each other, not as 
oh, you're Audrey, the pastor who participates in this program. Or, oh, you're so-and-so a teacher at such-and-such -such school. Oh, you're so-and-so uh, an engineer, um, so we probably don't have anything in common, right? <laughs> I mean, like, we silo people, in, especially when churches become more like institutions where people are not personalities so much as they are building blocks, right? Serving roles. A, yeah, roles, serving mm -hmm. a purpose. And, right. and so this concept of storytelling reconnects us in very human kind of ways and less institutional kind of ways. Right. right. And that's, I think that's an important distinction as we talk about how we tell the story of the church. I'm going to talk next week more about the specific types of stories that we told in the intervention. But the the reality is when we try to tell the story of our church, we often talk about, well, we do this. Yeah. <laughs> we <coughs> have vacation Bible school. We worship together every Sunday. You know, we we go to this service thing. Those are not particularly compelling stories, nor do they tell me much about who you are. Mm -hmm. The types of stories that tell me about who you are are much more personal and not corporate. Mm. And the, the story of the church that is going to be much more compelling is one that says, this is what it has meant to me to be a part of this. Sure. Well, like at our opening, right, when we ask each other, where have you seen God? I didn't say at Vacation Bible School. Right. I told you a little bit about what was going on that was so in inspiring from that in the in the life of a little girl. Right, right? exactly. That's a um, personal story, even if it's embedded in a corporate event. Sure. You, you didn't tell me this was the theme of Vacation Bible School and we had this many kids. I remember when we got to Oakton, we did these kind of little breakout sessions so that um, we would... We called them cottage meetings. We went into people's homes and had small group gatherings so that they could tell us about what this church is. And and I remember a, a lot of those gatherings when we asked them what the one of the best moments that they remember in the church or greatest achievements or something like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of them talked about the elevator edition. Yeah. Remember that? And some of them just said, well, the elevator edition, probably right. because it cost a lot of money and yeah. it was like a, a major <laughs> fundraising event. Except... Yeah. The person who didn't just say uh, the greatest achievement was the elevator, they told it because their daughter to access um, the church needed that elevator. Right. And when the church put in that elevator, um, it felt like an open arms yeah. to that family to say that the church and these people want to include us so fully in the mission and ministry of this of this body, and I'm going to tell you tell you that story about how it felt when you put an elevator in. Exactly. Right. Yeah. What a difference. What part of what you're hinting at is it was strange for us to to keep hearing the elevator. It's like why that is not that is not an exciting story. Yeah, it's like good thing to do. Yeah, great. <laughs> but it was when we heard how it impacted yeah. a particular person that we began to understand why this was so important and why it wasn't really an identity shaping moment for the congregation. Right. It wasn't just a change that happened to the building. It was something that was central to who Oakton understood themselves to be. Yeah. And yeah. so the reason why storytelling is so important in a congregation 
in faith is that stories are actually mediators of relationships. Sure. Stories are not an end in and of themselves. They are ways that we find ourselves in each other. And so that story about the elevator was about the relationship that was formed in that moment, Mm -hmm. but also then the relationships of those people going forward as a congregation. It became an identity-shaping moment. When we are trying to make sense of our own pasts or common pasts, we do that best through storytelling. Mm. I love there's a quote that kind of became central to this part of my research from Pat Conroy, who was a uh, novelist. Okay. He, he used to say the most powerful words in English are tell me a story. Mm-hmm. And that's in part because we're inviting someone to share significant things about themselves yeah. from the past. But he also understood how storytellings shape the future and how we understand things going forward. Yeah. They, they, our imagination that takes place or the way we piece together things and stories mm-hmm. shapes not only how we think about the past, but how we anticipate moving into the future. Yeah. You know, one of the forms of storytelling that's become very common in evangelical Christian America is the concept of testimony and sharing a salvation story. That can be a part of what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that those are some of the stories that we should know about each other and it helps us understand one another and connect with one another in really important ways. But these can also be corporate stories, not corporate, institutional corporate, but stories about uh, yeah, us, us being in relationship to God together. Mm-hmm. Um, these can also be um, personal stories that are not salvific, but filled with uh, in a time of grief, right? The, 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 the point is not so much um, telling a particular, um, this is my second birthday kind of testimony story, unless unless it is, mm-hmm. but it should not be limited to that. You're inviting uh, a plethora of stories of seeing God in life right. um, that and, doesn't end in some moment. Right, and I think it's important to also say that they don't need to be grand stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the, the God stories that we intentionally tell at the beginning of podcasts are not a revolutionary story. They can be a quiet story. Yeah. engagement with God. One of the things that Mark Iaconelli talks about in his book, Between the Listening and the Telling, he had a father that was a kind of grand presence. He was a pastor. Yeah. Um, and he was a great storyteller in his sermons. He told these big stories. Yeah. And what Mark really resented about that is as a kid, his father would sit down and say, like, tell me something. Hmm. And if it was not a grand story, his father tuned him out fairly quickly. Huh. And he, he realized how important sometimes just the small stories yeah. are. It makes for great preaching, but it's not real life. You don't live from mountaintop to mountaintop. No, constantly. and it's, it's not relational either all the time. And it, it reminds me of, it's a problematic book now, I understand. but And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. It, it has some problematic ethnic depictions. depictions. Yeah. I understand that. But the, the general idea of the story is this child is walking home from school. He sits with his father 
when he gets home and his father says, tell me what you saw. And in his head, he's picturing this grand parade that ends up happening that he thinks that he needs to tell that story for his father to listen. And then he realized he gets embarrassed about this world that is created. And when he gets home, he just says, I didn't see anything. Right. Yeah. There's got to be a middle ground in there somewhere of, of right. the child being able to sit down with his father and say what he actually saw was a horse-drawn cart. And that be okay. That's right. <laughs> and that be the story that they tell rather than either saying nothing right. because they feel it's insignificant or having to fabricate something larger than life. Right. That's not how we communicate who we are and our identity. It has to be authentic and it doesn't need to be all pieced together and figured out. Um, mm. Through my research, I became a lover of the moth storytelling hour. NPR. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those stories are, are not necessarily grand stories, but they're told in such a way that that meaning comes out of it. Yeah. And so it's less about the outcome of the story and more about the journey in the mm -hmm. storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important in why storytelling is so helpful is because it's about what happens in the storytelling. It's not even necessarily about the, the story that's being told. Right. So next week, you're going to tell us a little bit about how you actually did implement story sharing in, in, in at Oakton and tell us a little bit about the effect of, yeah. of that. I'll share um, a little bit about the outcome because of the nature of the study. I won't go into yeah, too many specifics. But, personal stories or anything like that. Yeah, but, don't worry, Oakton people. I'm not going to reveal, <laughs> reveal stories. Uh, mostly talk about the types of stories that were drawn out of people in kind of general categories and, and how they impacted the community. Cool. That's great. Well, thanks for, this is like three weeks of preparing for this huge moment <laughs> where Audrey's going to tell us how to hold us back together. And That's this right. is and wonderful. How to fix the world. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, I, I hope this has been um, interesting and, and helpful for, for our listeners. And um, go tell each other a, a story. What did you see on Mulberry Street today? Mm -hmm. Or where did you see God? Tell your partners or kids or whoever you're eating dinner with or call a or friend. Or even better, ask someone to tell their story. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on this exploration of story sharing. Uh, as always, we welcome feedback and further conversation. You can reach out to us at coffeewiththepastorspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Coffee with the Pastors. Live for the glory of God and our neighbor's good. The primary purpose of this podcast is for conversation and faith exploration. It is intended for private, non-commercial use and does not necessarily reflect the opinion of any agency or organization. In addition to Rev. Dr. Audrey Hollenberg Duffy's Doctor of Ministry Research, this podcast references the following resources. Between the Listening and the Telling, How Stories Can Save Us by Mark Iaconelli, Storytime, God's Story and Ours by Warren Groff, the Story of Our Life by H. Richard Niebuhr from Why Narrative. Check out any of these things for more information.